Okay, Brandon Katz, uh, I have a confession. You have a confession, Jean. Now this sounds juicy. I, it's not that juicy. It's just that I have not yet watched Suicide Squad. Oh, Jean Bentley. Jean Bentley falling behind on the you know trending pop culture topics of the day. I know, I know. It is. <laughs> I know it is a shame. Um, it's a little bit uh, slackerish, but it just happened. My parents were in town and it is not their kind of movie and I did not watch it. <laughs> you know what? Then that's extremely fair. Like I was going to say, not that I was holding against you because I know you're busy, but I was going to say, you know, that is surprising since you usually yeah. are very much on the pulse. But having your family in town is a very legitimate excuse. That changes that from a confession to an explanation. Yeah. It's an excuse, but it's a true one and I will be watching it, but I am very excited to hear your thoughts on it because I think this week on Must Watch, we're going to talk about the summer of HBO Max. Yeah. And and it's like a much better topic and a much better framework than white boy summer. (laughs) Yeah. Which went, mm, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, Chet Hanks. If you're listening for any reason, you suck. (laughs) <laughs> bro <laughs> that's just what i have to say to you sir bro but yes it is it is the summer of hbo max and, and gene you and i have very pleasantly and entertainingly cycled through each of the other major premium streamers such as netflix disney plus hulu amazon prime and hbo max where we kind of identify their programming strategies and their best originals and if you guys are interested in those episodes please go check them out but this summer hbo max is really kind of hit its stride and differentiated itself from the pack, which is why we thought the Suicide Squad was a good exclamation point to this general topic, right? Exactly. It's uh, uh, right now in the world is uh, an interesting place. Uh, The Delta variant is really screwing up those white boy summer plans. And we've got Lambda now too. (laughs) Not even the good Revenge of the Nerds, Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. Great. So fun. Love it. So, you know, streaming is as it has been for the past few years, and especially over the last year as we have have done this podcast, is where it's at. So the uh the Warner Brothers day and date streaming release movies feel like, you know, the move. (laughs) I think when they announced that everyone was like, oh my God. But uh, right now it's really feeling, uh, it's really feeling prescient and, uh, and smart. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if we want to get a little technical about it, don't worry, we'll bog you down in stats and numbers all episode, but they are on pace for more than 11 million new subscribers in 2021, 2021 alone, which is a very solid year of growth. They've had a couple back-to-back solid, decent quarters. So the strategy is working. And back in December, in a vacuum, I could understand with the uncertainty of COVID and everything, why this strategy made sense. Now they obviously should have paid their talent and they've alerted people and they handled the communication terribly. But, you know, a, a bold strike has worked out thus far, eight months later. Yeah, exactly. So tell me a little bit about the Suicide Squad. I... I feel like I am on record on this podcast saying that DC Cinematic Universe is not my favorite. I do not really vibe with Zack Snyder's aesthetic. Yeah, I agree. It's too dark for me. Like literally. I vibe with you're not vibing. Yeah. 
Um, so my favorite DC movies have been Wonder Woman. I really enjoyed Aquaman. Um, I also watched Birds of Prey without having seen <laughs> the original um, and loved Birds of Prey. Loved it. Um, so this more upbeat kind of or quirky take on the story feels like it's definitely going to be more up my alley than than past DC C DC C U. What do you call it? <laughs> what do they call it? It's not, does it have a fun acronym? The like DC MCU? Extended Universe or the DCEU. DC is that's EU. kind of the uniform okay. terminology, though I'm not sure if it's 100% official, official. That's what it's really come down to. Okay. Well, tell me about it and where it stands in your personal DCEU portfolio. <laughs> that's a good question. So, yeah, I'm also on record as being overall a lot lower on the DCEU to date than maybe the average superhero fan. Wasn't a big fan of the uh, the Snyderverse elements. I think I, I really didn't like Aquaman, even though I understand why people do. It's, you know, yeah. silly was, fun. I think it was goofy. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, James Wan's a great world builder. I'm not going to yeah. knock that. I just, I just didn't love the movie. So, you know, just overall, I've been down on the DCEU, but this new entry written and directed by James Gunn, who did the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, has done a couple other kind of schlocky, but really, really entertaining films like uh, uh, Slither. He wrote Dawn of the Dead from the remake in 2004, which was pretty good. So I got to say, I, I just really, really, really enjoyed The Suicide Squad. I probably up front give it a B plus. I think it's irreverent. It is hard R action. Uh, he uses that to his advantage with amazing bait and switches and just hilarious kind of physical shtick. I think the characters really pop, particularly Ratcatcher 2 and Polka Dot Man. I think John Cena's Peacemaker is hysterical. Idris Elba as Bloodsport is really good. Now, I think it's inherently harder to care as much about these characters as we do uh, some that have been in multiple movies, like a Harley Quinn or like a Wonder Woman, you know, we've known them for longer, so we care more. But still, I think the, the key to the Suicide Squad's success as a just damn and entertaining, intelligent uh, blockbuster with something to say is that James Gunn knows how to do a true ensemble in which every single character gets a moment to shine, gets an efficient amount of character de development, and has a, by the end of the movie, kind of, cohesive arc as opposed to something like the magnificent seven remake from 2016 or the original suicide squad where it was really like two or three characters had arcs and other ones were just there everyone here feels like a person so i just really enjoyed it overall it doesn't mean it's not without its flaws but to me the best movie in the dceu thus far which is Ooh. high praise that is high praise because i feel like wonder woman was kind of holding that um for, for kind of the larger film criticism audience at large. I think my top three in no, in no specific order is The Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, and Man of Steel as of right now. Great. I love it. Okay. All right. But, you so, know, yeah, what? I'll be watching it. It yeah, just yeah. has not I, happened thus far, but that's fine. <laughs> I would just, I would warn you and anyone who is listening who hasn't yet gone into it, you know, be prepared for a hard R movie. You know, they're, they are not pulling any punches with the, the gore. He loves himself like a Tarantino, you know, a blood smear on a, on a like white backdrop, you know? So it is a, 
visually daring movie in that regard. I think mileage may vary. I definitely think it was the right call for you not to watch it with your parents. <laughs> but if you can understand what you're getting yourselves into, I think it's hard not to have a great time with this film. Some truly laugh out loud moments sets up uh, John Cena's Peacemaker HBO Max series. Well, which James Gunn wrote, co-directed, created. So there, there's a lot to like, a lot to enjoy. And another step forward for, I think, the continued rebound of the DCEU. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I feel like from the movie that everyone has been talking about recently on HBO Max to the show that everyone has been talking about recently on HBO Max, which is actually an HBO show, but most people that I know watch it on HBO Max, and that is The White Lotus. That's that's what they wanted. They wanted that good synergy, and now they've got it with this this how do you even describe the white lotus? Oh my gosh, that is such a that is such a great question. So <laughs> it's from Mike White, who did Enlightened. Um, and so fun fact, plays Ned Schneebly in School of Rock, yes, which is where exactly. most casual fans may know him from. Survivor and Amazing Race contestant Mike White. Um, I, I, I appreciate his appreciation for, um, fun competition, reality TV. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I, I think Mike White is known for maybe, um, unlikable characters is how I could put that. And, um, so this show is, (laughs) I think just a bunch of a kind of unlikable characters, all, uh, vacationing together at a resort in Hawaii called, the White Lotus, Re- vacationing together or working at a yes. uh, resort in Hawaii. Um, and it's, I've loved it. Uh, I feel like people have really been talking about some of the performances on it, which have been really fantastic from Jennifer Coolidge, uh, who plays a woman who's um, burying her mother. And then Murray Bartlett, who plays kind of the manager of this hotel and Natasha Rothwell, who plays the um, only good person on this show, uh, the spa manager. Um, <laughs> what have you thought about the show and, and what, what has stood out to you? I think in a nutshell, if I had to summarize, it's as if everyone from succession took a couple Xanax and went to Hawaii. Yeah, You know, it's that it's that one percent elitist. Wow. Everyone is awful. I hate everyone. And yet there's still this um, this laid back gravitas of it all. It's not quite as tension building, high strung as succession where deals are trying to get done. It's really just this obscure, vague black comedy, which really works for that kind of satirical pinpoint pricks that it's throwing out to the one percent. I think occasionally it can be too opaque for its own good. But as someone in the comments of my my Twitter review for the show said, oh, so basically a Mike White show. And yes. I was like, you know what? Fair enough. It's very yeah. on brand for the creator. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I feel like the great thing about it being an HBO show um, is that it is a weekly release. It does air at a specific time on Sunday nights and people have been talking about it. And that is really exciting. Uh, people, people need a win. <laughs> people, <laughs> the TV industry needs, uh, yeah. needs people to continue doing that. And I think this was kind of, I, I don't want to say an unexpected hit in that regard, but like it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually wanted to ask you about that because it is an unexpected hit. I wanted to say 
again, not to get two numbers, but if we're just talking about live linear viewers, so everyone who's watching it at HBO at 9 p.m. right when it first air, it's averaging less than 500,000 live linear viewers, which ranks 14th among HBO's active shows, which are not canceled or concluded, even if they're in the off season. And in the key 18 to 49 demo, which is you know, the most important rating in all of television, it's 13th in raw live linear viewership for HBO. And as we mentioned, it's this very obscure, esoteric, slow moving series. So are you surprised, Gene, that the White Lotus has become this word of mouth hit that has extended beyond film Twitter? Because I have friends who are casual entertainment observers texting me like, yo, bro, are you watching this? This show is crazy. And that show, I would never, I haven't talked about it with anyone because I didn't think anyone would like it. And now I have casual friends being like, yeah, I, I can't wait for the next episode. I was mind blown. Yeah, it's it's kind of mind blowing, especially when you look at Mike White's track record of making critically acclaimed and beloved shows, but that don't usually click with the, yeah. the, the wider audience. And I think I saw some people talking about this on Twitter that basically <laughs> the world is uh, slowly falling apart and uh, we've just <laughs> caught up to his level. Like, <laughs> like wow. it's just has a broader appeal because everything is burning, literally. <laughs> and so we just want to share in our misery. We want to judge other people in our kind of anger and frustration and, and project it onto these terrible people. A little bit like I said, The Undoing is the show that you love to hate because it was October. We were still in the thick of the pandemic, even worse than it is now. I'm just like, wow, I'm going to make a watch a bunch of rich, attractive people make the worst decisions possible at every moment. And I do think there's a little bit of that cathartic release here in The White Lotus. Yeah, I mean... I think it's also just that maybe there was an outlook on life that just some people really got and others didn't necessarily. And uh, now we're all a little bit more uh, um, nihilistic or just, you know. <laughs> well, I've always been the cynical one of us. Yeah. Too. You're always, I think, more of an optimist. We're a little more world weary now. Um, and yeah, I would also say uh, Schadenfreude is great. Um, yes. Though, As is Steve Zahn. <laughs> yeah, but I guess the, the thing about Schadenfreude is that that means like taking, finding joy in other people's suffering. Um, and you're not necessarily, these people aren't necessarily suffering. It's kind of like, it's, it's criticism in that they won't suffer. They're terrible people, but they're going to be fine. They have yeah, money and wealthy. they'll be okay. They're going to win ultimately. And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> Gene, watching this show, I think right now we should promise if you and I either ever win the lottery or we just, you know, make a good investment. If we ever become rich, like these people yeah. have fuck you money. Yeah. We need to promise to be the best versions of ourselves oh. constantly and help other people. If for yes. no other reason, not let forget you know, honor, nobility, altruism, if for no other reason, so we aren't as dickish and douchey as these succession White Lotus characters. <laughs> yeah, I promise that- So, so um, no one makes a show based on us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, Although I, I feel do... like when you get that money, you kind of can't help but do it. But also, you know, like we live in a capitalist hellscape and um, we still have to live within that societal framework. So I don't know, man make money, we'll, spend money. We'll keep each other grounded. How about yeah, that? Exactly. Okay. Uh, so HBO has said that it currently ranks number one among all series on HBO max. 
and has okay. achieved consistent week over week growth for both premiere and digital audience leading into the final episode on Sunday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Now, Gene, that doesn't mean anything. That's a whole bunch of, you know, vague platitudes without any specific viewership numbers. But I think, again, based on our anecdotal spheres of influence, we, we are seeing the White Lotus permeate pop culture zeitgeist to a certain degree. I, I think it is very much become a, a talked about show. Absolutely. Well, and I think part of that is because the framing of the show, we started it knowing that someone was going to die. The oh, only yeah. thing that we knew about that was that it wasn't going to be Jake Lacey because we see him in the airport on the way home. Um, but we do know that shit went down is really what we know about that. And yeah, should we talk uh, about think, the finale? Because this is going to air. This, we're, yeah, right. I think we should talk about the finale. If you don't want to hear spoilers yeah. for the finale, skip ahead like three minutes. Um, and okay, are you ready? Did you guess the person who died? So I didn't guess the person who died. And, and I think the show does a good job because by episode four and five, I'm like, shit, it could literally be anybody. And I'm really thinking hard on this. Having said that, I did see someone tweet without spoiling. You know, it was kind you of- You spoil, we're spoiling. It's coming No, 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 after. I meant like they, they tweeted oh. without spoiling. <laughs> and, and, you know, for people like us who had yeah. the, 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 the episode, that it was um, Armand. And he basically said the fates were, the fates were sealed in that first argument. And it, it, there was no other possible way the show could end. So I was like, well, is that true? I don't know. So what I did is I, I did go back and just watch, rewatch episodes five and six after I read that tweet. Maybe I should have gone back to one or two. And I was like, well, now that I said that, now that this guy's put that thought in my head, it does seem to be the most promoted outcome within the context of the narrative. And I think upon rewatching it, you're like, well, you know, this, this was kind of always bound to end this way. Yeah, they, I, they had the most volatile dynamic. Yes, I I would agree with that. I would also say, I definitely, as you said, as the first episode, I watched the first episodes. I did not know who it could be. I felt like they they it could have been anyone, but as it went further, I kind of thought about what what could provoke that reaction from Jake Lacey's character. And I didn't think it would be uh, any of the other guests because he just didn't get close enough to them. And so then I was like, okay, it's either he murdered his new wife, which would have been very, very, very dark in a different way, or it was going to be Armand. And so I kind of, uh, towards the second half, I was like, I think it's going to be Armand, especially since Armand was going on this kind of like circling the drain uh, spiral. Um, So... I mean, I don't know that I would have guessed that it happened that way, but, you know, <laughs> I, I did kind of come to the conclusion that it was him too. My only other thought late in the game was like when they were all sitting around a dinner, I just thought, is Paula going to snap and just kill somebody in this family? I thought that was somewhat possible. This makes a little bit more sense. Now, having said that, Jake Lacey does, Jake Lacey's character, Shane, does kill Armand. Shane is a piece of shit. He is an absolute mm-hmm. D-bag. He treats everyone around him terribly. He treats his wife terribly. He did not necessarily, in my opinion, murder Armand. It no, was a no. more accidental, horrible, accidental. tragic stance than this guy snapping. Yeah. And he and he was immediately horrified. 
Yeah. No, no, no. This was an accident, a tragic accident. I think it's also interesting because you're watching the show and you're kind of like, I would maybe be okay with any of these people dying again, except for Natasha Rothwell, the only good person on the show. Um, yeah. But, but I think you kind of, even the, even the characters you're rooting for, um, like Jennifer Coolidge, they let you down. They let you down. Oh, yeah. Even, uh, even Paula, she really lets, lets you down in the end. And I think that's kind of, again, that feels very, very, uh, purposeful and very kind of Mike White. Uh, and so I don't know. I, I really loved the show and, um, I am intrigued that they have renewed it That's, for a second that was season. Gonna, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Do you, are, are you happy? Do you think this should have existed as a one and done miniseries? Are, are you happy they're, they're going to change it for a season two where they're going to visit an all new location, all new cast of characters, and I presume an all new murder mystery? What, what are your thoughts on HBO extending this? Okay, so I really hate when they extend like things that have been billed as limited or mini series. I really loved Big Little Lies, but I would have been perfectly happy living my life without season two, you know? Um, and so I was initially like, oh man, I don't know. But then I read that they were going to set it at a different White Lotus property with a whole different cast. And I was like, you know what? That actually does work for me. That actually does work for me. And I think it makes sense to make it an anthology rather than a continued series. Um, and and I'm kind of on board. <laughs> I hope, see, I, I think this is more, oh yeah, you know, Warner Media, particularly being spun off to merge with Discovery Inc. This is more like we are reaching for quote unquote franchises. We're trying to extend everything. I don't necessarily think Mike White's style lends itself to extensions. But having said that, I am intrigued, intrigued. I think he is a, I, I think he's such a unique creative kind of uh, vision and, and writer that it can work. My hope too, is that now that we went tropical, I want to go either like stark desert and like, you know, maybe the, uh, the, the uh, uh, like New Mexico type area or, or, or Nevada, something like that. Or we go full on, you know, snow retreat, like James Bond in the mountains. I, I want something completely different in terms of the environment. Yeah, I actually felt that way too. And I, I, my thought was like safari. Oh, African yes, that's, that's better than, than Nevada. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I think it's the same exact thing. It's just like a different location. But I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, power dynamics and the kind of clientele and, and that would all work for any of these things that we've said um, would be really interesting. And yeah, I, I like it. I like it more than what I, people speculating about a second season of Mayor of Easttown. I'll tell you that. And yeah. I say it Mayor, Mayor of Easttown as a, a Philadelphia native. <laughs> you know well. All right. So you didn't watch the Suicide Squad. I have never, ever watched either version of Gossip Girl, which is our third kind of HBO Max summer series to talk about. What do I need to know? How, how is the reboot versus the original? What are people saying, Gene? Because I, I have no clue. I'm not in on any Gossip Girl conversations at all. The only thing I know about it is that 
Kristen Bell did voiceovers, I think, and Blake Lively got her start on the original. I don't even know what the show is about, the original one. Okay, I that's what I was going to ask. What do you know about Gossip Girl? Zilch. Zilch. Okay, great. Blake Lively and Kristen Bell, and uh, I don't know. And HBO Max really wants this new one to be good, I think. Okay, so the original was very, like, late 2000s. Um, about a group of rich kids in Manhattan and there was a mysterious voiceover voiced by Kristen Bell that was um, basically uh, like the voice of a blog of an anonymous blog that would write gossip about all of these high school children. So like uh, millennial Bridgerton. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> With Lady Whistledown. And um, you learned at the end of the series that Gossip Girl's true identity, uh, which I believe that they pulled out of a hat in the writer's room, <laughs> like not literally, but kind of, um, was Dan Humphreys played by Penn Badgley, who was oh, the wow. like, scholarship kid essentially like the non-rich kid that's who they decided to make gossip girl and no they did not know that's who it was from the beginning they just decided that i uh am watching you for the first time with my girlfriend and she keeps talking like he always pen badgley always plays characters who love books that's what dan humphrey did i was like "Uh uh i had no idea dan humphrey was gossip girl now i can connect the dots now i can go back to her and and be like hey i know what you're talking about yeah (laughs) although the whole series of the original gossip girl we didn't know he was um gossip girl and neither did he uh but you know (laughs) that's what they decided at the end okay so flash forward to this new one it's again rich rich richie rich high schoolers at private school in the upper east side of manhattan and this time the twist is dun 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 the teachers are gossip girl which is absolutely psychotic i am sorry these are adults who are bullying children that they are supposed to be teaching that is absolutely ridiculous and not okay and they should all be arrested yeah i don't like that it's a a fireable offense if we want to talk about it in like wow i'm taking this very seriously and even just from a conceptual standpoint if we're saying how are we constructing this television show it's a very it's a very negative point of view to take and what does that say about the whole show at, at, at large i'm like okay so the youth who are always problematic and, and searching to find themselves have no chance if the authority figures they, that, that shepherd them through life and who they may admire in certain instances are also pieces of shit. Yeah. So like the way that it is introduced is that these kids are just not listening and bullying the teachers and you're supposed to be like, yeah, the, these Richie's need to be brought down a peg. Um, but no, they're literally children. They're literally children. They're bratty children, but they are still children. And it is absolutely wild that they're having adults bully them, cyber bully them. It's adults cyber bullying children. And the worst part of it is that they're, they, they start 
like pitting the the like queen bee of the school against her half sister who is by the way 14 they say it repeatedly at the beginning when the show starts so they who is like innocent and doesn't come from money and it turns out that the two half sisters had like secretly connected and the older like hot shit rich girl was like come to my school and we can get to know each other this will be so fun I'm so excited and so it's like this genuinely wholesome thing with this very innocent not rich not bratty 14 year old who the teacher gossip girls it's a group of teachers by the way um decide to pit against each other so not only are they cyberbullying these like rich kids who are assholes they're also cyberbullying this innocent 14 year old who did literally nothing to them it's awful why is it such a cynical take yeah i i don't know and so like i did watch probably i, I think i watched four or five and so like the stuff that you liked about the original gossip girl is kind of updated for gen z and it's like fun and soapy but i absolutely could not get past the identity of gossip girl and i i I, it made me really really conflicted and i also understand why they wanted to do something more interesting than like have it just be some random person but like I just cannot get past the ethical and moral issues involved in this. I just, I know that I'm suspending disbelief so much, but I cannot suspend it for that particular thing. I mean, as someone who is always open to trying new shows, the way you describe it in that point of view, it just doesn't sound interesting to me. It sounds more mean spirited without necessarily narrative merit than it does creative and refreshing and modernized and contemporary. So I I don't want to give that a try. I'd rather just eventually go back and watch the original Gossip Girl. Yeah, I mean, so there were plenty of problematic things about the original Gossip Girl, but like this is 2021 and we can look at things through a 2021 lens and no, they weren't right then, but there are things that they wouldn't do now. And I just like can't get past this thing that they did with the teachers, which is something that should not, should not exist, should not be. And I hope that it is addressed. (laughs) I will say that it has all of the hallmarks that we enjoyed about Gossip Girl, like silly puns. It has Kristen Bell's voiceover, which didn't make sense to me when I watched the trailer. I was like, why is it Kristen Bell again? That's so weird. And excuse me, after you watch the show and you find out that the teachers are Gossip Girl and they're like inspired by this thing that happened 10 years ago at this school. So it's the same voice because they're doing the same thing. Um, That actually does make sense. And Kristen Bell does a good voiceover. She's she's great. And I, I like the young cast. I think they're really interesting. I think that the girl who plays the Queen Bee is really great. Um, there's just really fun parts, but I simply can't get, I can't get past that one thing, which is a big thing. All right. So summer of HBO max has ups and it has downs understandably. It's not all good. And I would say that if you watch the original gossip girl, it's worth checking out. And also I, I want to know if you are a person who's like, I don't really mind this twist. 
I would love for you to tell me why. Like, I legitimately do want to hear from people who are like, this doesn't bother me. And I'll tell you. Um, at that would hygiene, be great. you can do that. Yeah, at hygiene. Or great <laughs> underscore Catsby. Um, you will not know what they're talking about, but they could tweet you if they yes, want. Yes, they could. I'll pass it on to you. <laughs> Thank you. you know, now I'm curious too, because now we're, we're highlighting some of the biggest titles that have come out on HBO Max this summer. A lot of which, you know, Warner Media is banking on to help drive growth to the streamer. Next year in 2022, we're not going to have day and date movie releases for Warner Brothers anymore. That's only a 2021 thing. And it's a huge, huge reason why HBO Max is kind of hitting its stride this summer. But at the same time, when the, with the movies disappearing day and date next year, you also got some big series from HBO and HBO Max in the 2022 calendar year. You got Peacemaker. You've got the Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon. You got the Last of Us adaptation. You've got the Parasite TV show. I'm curious, you know, with the movies disappearing, do does HBO Max fall off a cliff? Or with those heavy hitters on the docket, you know, do they kind of not miss a beat? Does that fill the void? What do you think? I think that all of those shows that you mentioned have so much potential. They also have, don't they have that like gritty fresh prints? They've got like- That's going some to Peacock sort of, actually. Oh, that's Peacock. Sorry, just kidding. It's in <laughs> on my streamers. Um, but they do have a Grease show, right? Uh, that's, I, th- that's I think they might've sold Max. that one. They have a Batman spinoff show from the Batman which comes out I think in March as of right now the Batman is scheduled for March um so which means that it will be theatrically exclusive for whatever window they've decided on um but I think that the fact that people have subscribed to HBO Max and been able to see these new releases has also made them use the app more and to see what kinds of movies and TV shows they have, which is an extensive library. So I think what they're counting on is that people are just going to keep their HBO Max subscriptions into the new year. And I think they will. I would, you know. (laughs) Highly recommend. I mean, Gene and I have talked about it here. We've talked about it on Twitter. An amazing library, a great film catalog. Finally, because of COVID delaying their production schedules, they are just killing it with originals over the last couple months. Gossip Girl reboot, notwithstanding. Well, listen, like I said, it is it is addictive. Check it out if you liked the old one. Also, check it out to like validate my feelings, please. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're really looking for. Come on. We, we do this show yeah. for our ego stroking, not for yeah. any informational or entertaining value for you guys. Thank you. And also um, the other two, which was the Comedy Central show that is now an HBO Max original that is returning, um, which is great. I freaking love that show. <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of good stuff on HBO Max. There's yeah. a lot of good stuff coming up. So even as they shift away from their day and date movie releases, releases, I think a lot of their upcoming original library is going to do some serious heavy lifting for them and keep us on the hook because I'm, I'm hooked. You can consider me hooked. I'm hooked for (laughs) sure. Plus uh, season two of uh, the white Lotus, wherever that may be, this was a show that they shot that Mike white wrote and then they filmed in quarantine. So it strikes me as something that he can kind of knock out and they can you know take over another hotel wherever else in the world they decide to film it and and we could have that back in a matter of months if they really wanted to 
Truly. I'm excited for what the future holds here because the yeah. summer of HBO Max, I don't know, when it's all said and done, may turn into the year of HBO Max in 2021. We'll have Truly. to do another pod in December to like be like, you know what? They lived up to the hype. Or they goofed it. <laughs> and listen, it's Warner Media. They are always in danger of goofing it at any second. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right, well, that'll do it for us. You guys, if you have any comments, questions, like you said, you can hit us up at hygiene at great underscore Catsby. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. We would love that. And uh, stay tuned until next week, you guys. XOXO. <laughs> oh, no, I got that one. Okay, context clears. I got that one. <laughs> <laughs>